Danielle, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha, and this is Serialholic Sisters. True crime shit. Hi, girl, hi. Hola. <laughs> happy, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I'm not a fan of either teams that are playing. So. Yeah, no, I don't care, but I'm a fan of snacks. So I'm yes. going to make a lot of those in a little bit and just hang well, out. I planned on doing, like, usually every Super Bowl we'll make a bunch of snacks or something like that. And I'm not doing that this year because we don't care about either, which is so mean to say. I'm not trying to be mean, but we're just not fans of the two teams that are playing. You're not a fan. It's not mean. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. So we're, instead, I think we're ordering pizza tonight because that's okay. a necessity in our house. <laughs> and um, they're, they'll watch the Super Bowl and I'll probably... Um, watch Gilmore Girls in the other room. Well, well, I've, <laughs> I've actually got a bunch of homework that I need to do. So uh, I'll probably just get caught up on homework. I am going to make a bunch of snacks and just hang out and watch the Eminem Dr. Dre concert tonight. So, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean I'll watch the concert <laughs> because we all know that everyone's just coming for the halftime show, <laughs> which I feel like hasn't been good in twenty years, anyways. But. I no. saw who's who's playing this year. And I'm like, what year is it? Is it 2002? What's happening? <laughs> it's, amazing. it's amazing. So I'll watch that for sure. But, yeah. so. but I'm definitely not going to be paying attention to the game or anything. So I'll just get caught up on homework and, you know, be an adult. <laughs> so lame being an adult. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to just go ahead and like not do a lot of chit chat beforehand on this one because... This week, I got a pretty, pretty big case. I was trying to decide, you know how I do, try to decide what I'm going to cover. And I was talking to Dana at lunch one day. Hey, boo. And she was like, you know, y'all haven't really done like a big name serial killer in a while. And she like threw out a suggestion. I just said that too. You right did. Before. Right before so, we started talking. exciting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She said the I same thing. I just said that. I was like, we haven't done, you know, we have a bunch of cases that we haven't done that are like huge. We haven't done Jeffrey Dahmer. We haven't done Chris Watts. We haven't done, like, I've gone through several cases before. So now, now who are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> did I name him? No, you did not. So okay. she threw out a suggestion oh, and okay. I took her suggestion because I was thinking to myself later on, I was like, self, you know what? Dana's right. <laughs> self. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, self. <laughs> Dana's right. Don't get a big head, girl. Calm down. But like the name of the podcast is Serial Holic Sisters. And we haven't done like a serial kill, like a big name serial. I know. I know. <laughs> so I'm going to cover Dana's suggestion this week. I'm going to do the Night Stalker, aka Richard Ramirez. Damn, that's a good one. It's a good one. And I have 21 pages of notes. So everybody settle <laughs> in. <laughs> So get your damn coffee <laughs> or, or whatever else you're drinking. If you're listening to this after, you know, <laughs> after coffee time, <laughs> after coffee time. So we all know about Ramirez. Yes. We all know. We all, That's we all know true one. crime stuff. We know Ramirez. We know his crimes only spanned about a year, but unfortunately but he was a psycho. <laughs> he was a psychopath. Yes. Unfortunately, he was a very prolific serial killer. After a string of burglaries, rapes, and murders between 1984 and 85, Ramirez was convicted, and we'll get into all that. Possibly, like you were just saying, the most scary and interesting fact about Ramirez is that he's a fucking psycho. He had no distinct MO. He was sloppy, compulsive, unorganized. Very sloppy. Very, very sloppy. sloppy. He's just, he's just vomitous. So. <laughs> so weird. I and watched the documentary that came out over like, I don't know, last year, I think it came out or something on yeah. Netflix. And I watched it like the 
the day it came out, I was like, oh yeah, I'm absolutely watching this. And I was just watching and, and thinking, oh my God. I knew this guy was a creep, but damn. He's such a creep. He's such a fucking creep. And it's super frustrating the amount of times that he should have been caught and wasn't. Oh, yes. Like, yes. so frustrating. And we'll get into all that. Because he was so stupid sloppy. He's so <laughs> an unorganized. Like, he, and he just did what I, uh, He was so, impulsive. He was, he was so impulsive. And very sloppy about it. And, like, he should have... Yes, he should have got caught like after the freaking first time he did it. <laughs> but the reason, one of the main reasons he didn't is because he was so like, it took them a long time to realize it was the same guy doing all these things because it was everything because was so it different. Was, yes. He would break into houses and apartments. He didn't have like a specific victim type. He would like kill Caucasian people, Asian people, Latino people. Like there was no pattern to follow. Right. So let's go ahead and get into it. Here we go. Ricardo Munez Ramirez was born February 29th, 1960 in El Paso, Texas, to Mexican immigrants Julian and Mercedes Ramirez. He was the youngest of five children, and this last pregnancy with Richard was a very difficult one for Mercedes because throughout the pregnancy, she worked at a boot factory, and so when you hear that, you're like, okay, that doesn't sound too bad. Like, factory jobs are tough physically and mentally. Like, it's very repetitive and exhausting, but what made the pregnancy difficult for her was her job at the factory was to mix the chemicals and pigments, mix the oh, pigments together. When you're the not leather. supposed to be around. <laughs> right. So she was continuously inhaling chemicals like all day, every day. She inhaled so many chemical fumes that throughout the pregnancy, her body tried to physically reject the fetus. So rough start coming into the world for sure. Ramirez didn't have it much better growing up. So his father, Julian, was a former policeman who later worked as laborer on the Atchison, Topeka and Santa Fe Railway. Now, Julian was known to have a terrible temper and would just like burst into fits of anger. At the age of two, Ramirez was almost killed when a dresser fell on him, resulting in a pretty gnarly concussion. Yeah. So there's that head trauma for you at a young age. Cool, cool. Always the head trauma. Now, growing up, he was known as like a quiet loner. When he was in the fifth grade, they learned that he was epileptic. And so he would sometimes have episodes where he would just stare off into space and then sometimes he would have like full on grand mal seizures. Oh, so he'd have like, he'd have those like silent seizures too. Mm-hmm. So the doctors told them that he would eventually grow out of it. And he eventually did, but not by the time he was in seventh grade when he was on the football team and he was all excited because he was pretty good. He was like a pretty decent quarterback, but because of his episodes, the coaches cut him and he didn't think it was fair that he was cut just because he like occasionally blacked out on the field, but they were like, look, we can't risk you seizing in the middle of the game. So, right. Which is like fair, I guess, but it's fair. I mean, let's be honest, <laughs> right? but he did not take that it's well. Sad. It is sad. He didn't take it well. And things went kind of downhill from there. After this, he became less interested in school and his grades began slipping. He started sniffing glue, which <laughs> everyone knows is a gateway drug, you know, <laughs> and sure enough, it's a, ga- before- it's a gateway drug. <laughs> Blue is the gateway drug. And sure enough, before long, he was like hanging out in cemeteries and smoking the devil's lettuce. So there oh you have God, it. <laughs> Glue is not a gateway drug. And, <laughs> and weed is not the devil's lettuce. <laughs> when he was 12 years old, his cousin Miguel Ramirez returned home from his second tour in Vietnam. He was a Green Beret with four medals. And he went by Mike. So I'm going to call him Mike from now on. Okay. Now, Mike was bad news beers. No good. He was not the kind of influence you wouldn't hang out with your kiddo, for sure. 
You'll have those on the bigger jobs. <laughs> well, yeah. So Richard and Mike started spending lots of time together and Mike would spend this time telling Richard all kinds of stories from the war. He basically took young Richard under his wing and taught him everything he learned from the war. Like he taught him how to fight. He taught him how to like keep hidden and sneak around and like jump out and attack and kill enemies. Like all the stuff that a young boy needs to know, you know? So not only did he describe in detail how to kill the quote enemy, but he took it a step further. So Mike, like I said, bad guy, bad news bears. During his time in Vietnam, he had viciously raped, tortured, murdered, and dismembered several Vietnamese women. And he had photographs to prove it, which he showed to his 12-year-old cousin, Richard. Yeah. Mike's wife, Jessie, was super alarmed with how Mike had been acting since he came home. Like, he was completely different. They typically are. They typically are. But he, like, only sat around all the time, like, smoking weed with his 12-year-old cousin, talking about war stories and... Also going into detail about like his sexual escapades when he was in Vietnam. Right. Right. You're married. <laughs> She's brushing from there. She's right there. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. No. So, well, you're not supposed to rape and torture and dismember people either, but. I, no, that's frowned upon too. It's <laughs> <laughs> majorly frowned upon. <laughs> During a heated argument one day. Mike completely lost it, and he ended up shooting Jesse in the face, killing her. Now, this happened right in front of Richard. He was, like, right there. Jesus. Yeah. So, Mike ended up going to trial for the murder, but because he pled temporary insanity and was a decorated, like, war veteran, they showed him leniency, and he was only sentenced to four years in a mental hospital for shooting his wife in the face. Let's see. Richard's 13 now. His idol's in the mental hospital. He decides he's going to go to L.A. and spend the summer with his older brother, Reuben. Now, Reuben is also bad news bears. All these goddamn bad news bears. <laughs> bad news bears everywhere. Reuben is a burglar and a heroin addict. So this entire summer is spent teaching Richard how to steal just to get enough money to buy more drugs. Very productive summer. The summer ends and Richard has to go home because he's got to go back to school because, you know, like he's not even in high school yet. He's just starting high school. His father takes note of how he's clearly going down the wrong path. Like he sees all this bad stuff he's doing and the two begin clashing like big time. So instead of the quiet loner that he had been, Richard was now this like hardened, sullen young man who had a quick temper that matched his father's quick temper. That's never good. Never a good combo. These falling outs eventually led Richard to move in with his sister, Ruth, and her husband, Roberto. Now growing up, Richard and Ruth had always been super close. He was the baby of the five kids, like I said, and she was always known to have like doted on him and like carried him around just she would like treat him like a baby doll basically she would just like take care of him all the time now the problem with this living arrangement was that roberto was also bad news bears so roberto was <laughs> roberto was an oversexed creeper Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so he taught richard how to sneak around and like peep into windows around the neighborhood oh, yeah. he's one of those keep it in your pants kind of guy like uh, uh. So <laughs> when Richard was 15, he got a job at a Holiday Inn and somehow managed to get himself one of those fancy ass like master keys that they have. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is poor planning because he then used that master key to break in and like steal people's shit while they're sleeping. Like literally while they're in the room sleeping, he would break in and like just steal their shit. Yeah. Eventually he began breaking in and hiding in rooms. Uh 
I was going to say before the hiding in rooms part, I was going to say that actually happens a lot with people that work in hotels. So it's funny you say that Um, when Dallas worked on the road, like years and years and years ago, I mean, Aiden was a baby baby. He worked for um, like a construction roofing company. Okay. Well, he was in, I think he was actually in Iowa and he was in a hotel with one of the guys he was bunking with or whatever. And they had left gone to get dinner and stuff. And he came back and his Xbox was stolen. Oh my gosh. They literally had it on camera. It was an employee (gasps) who denied it too. And he never got his Xbox back. Never got his Xbox back. What? They saw him on camera. On camera. All they did was fire the guy and he never got his Xbox. <laughs> he had to buy a brand new one. That is some bullshit. <laughs> I know. So that's why I was like, it's, it actually happens a lot more than people realize, but employees really do. If you leave your shit behind, like you forget something and like the maids or something come to come clean up and stuff, like they will keep it like if what? it's valuable. I was so lucky because I had left my, when we were in Texas, oh, I, I remember my, um, wedding band and like my wedding set, my engagement and wedding ring. I don't, I don't wear it all the time. I wear one of the rubber rings mm-hmm. just because I've all, I'm always paranoid that something bad is going to happen when I'm wearing it somewhere, because I've already lost a stone out of it once and had to have it replaced. Right. So I wear it on special occasions. So I wore it when we were in Texas, but I took it off and put it back in its box and set it right on the nightstand and put my rubber ring back on and all that. And when we left, we were probably three hours back home and I realized that I didn't pack it. So I called the hotel and luckily we had an honest hotel right? who had had found it and actually overnighted it to me. So I had it the next day, but I tell you what, they're not all that way. (laughs) No, no. And you were like, yeah, that happens a lot. And I was thinking they, they break in a lot while you're sleeping though. Like while you're in the room, No, no. I was like, I can never stay in a hotel ever again. The stealing portion. (laughs) You said that and I was like, oh my gosh, seriously? Just the stealing portion, not the whole creepy portion. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So where was I hiding in rooms? Mm-hmm. Okay. So eventually he began breaking in and hiding in the rooms until they returned so that he could watch them undress. That's super nasty. Well, like so he would, I told that story before that right. <laughs> he would like hide behind the curtains and watch women undress in the rooms. He would now, fan- now when I go to hotels, I'm going to start like, <laughs> like hitting curtains. Okay. Everything before I ever get dressed. <laughs> the first thing I'm going to do is like, start smacking curtains and I'm looking also, under beds. I, and <laughs> I also use that little thing that you like clip over the lock too. When you lock the door, you know, yeah, about, you have I've to. always done lock. that. Yeah. Like when I'm sleeping. Yeah. No, I always, I mean. <laughs> anytime we go to a hotel, I, I put that chain on. Cause yeah. Cause no, I don't know who's got to be in this room, but you already know how I feel about hotels and stuff too. Yes, like, I gr- do. Growing up. Oh man, this is, I I'm pretty sure this. we've told the story about how, but you... I have to say it again, <laughs> just because this is a prime example of so how ridiculous growing, you are. Yes. <laughs> growing up, I refused to sleep in hotels or anything like to the point where our parents would stop at rest stops, which is five times worse. Well, a billion times worse, not five times worse, but not just stop at rest stops. They'd stop at rest stops and park for hours for us to quote sleep when we're like on a long road trip I wouldn't do that as an adult now because I understand the you know (laughs) 
<laughs> the risks for so that now basically but, we'd be on a long trip and mom and dad be like oh we're tired we need a break and I'm like cool let's stop somewhere and rest thinking like a bed to rest <laughs> and nope. they would stop at this fucking rest stop and so me and Michael and Sean are all just like in the back seat staring out the windows for hours <laughs> into the and darkness me, and me <laughs> don't and worry we're like, me yeah, we're all like this is all your fault Samantha <laughs> it's true I'm sorry I don't do I didn't do hotels because I just I read so many things I mean it, even as an at a young age I was super fascinated and you know true crime and serial yeah. killers yeah, yeah. and stuff just like you I had always read how many murders happened in hotels and um like all the dna evidence that's cleaned up after and how like other things that happened rapes and stuff where they wouldn't clean the sheets and they'd what? take like black lights in and stop it <laughs> i'm telling you like i was sickened i was like i'm not sleeping on anything like that <laughs> no not happening or I'd rather be maybe, murdered at a rest stop <laughs> or the our parents would like find the cheapest hotel it would not be in a good spot not in a good area <laughs> not in a good area and then this area would be freaking um we'd have creepy ass people that would break into these hotels and kill people randomly so I was like no we're not staying in a hotel we'll stay at a rest stop and then the rest stop's not any better because you got these creepy truckers <laughs> <laughs> And all the serial killers or slash murders and stuff that happened there too, because they happen at rest stops too. <laughs> Basically, we can never travel <laughs> because the world's a scary place. <laughs> and I don't like to fly. So <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you're just stuck in Kansas. <laughs> well, I, listen, I have a really weird fear. I always, and it's just like your husband has it too. Like we always think the worst is mm -hmm. going to happen. Yes. So it's, we re, like, we play these weird scenarios that could happen randomly that won't ever really happen. But like the most random shit. It's like that episode of Friends when Emma got locked in the room and Rachel's all freaking out. She's like, I left the stove on. I left the sink on. Is the window open? And he's like, yes, the apartment's on fire and this hawk <laughs> flew in and caught fire. And so now he's on fire flying around. And meanwhile, the apartment's filling up with water and the baby and the hawk are both on fire fighting each other. Like that's what yeah. kind of things y'all think of. <laughs> it's true. Like we think of the weirdest scenarios and, and things that don't typically happen. Like ever. I check on my kids 5 billion times a night when they're sleeping peacefully just to make sure they're breathing. And they're my oldest is 13 or I lock my back door and my front door probably 10 times before I feel like it's okay for me to go to bed. If I plug in my straightener in the morning, I will unplug my straightener, roll it up, take it to an entirely different different room photograph it just to make sure <laughs> that I unplugged it so it doesn't catch our house on fire like think stupid things like that I am freaking ridiculous I won't as long fly as you're because... aware that you're ridiculous oh I know fine. I am I don't fly um I mean I do if I have to but I don't like to fly because my biggest fear isn't the fact that I'm in the air like I I don't do heights well okay but it's the fact of plummeting to my death do you know the rates of airplanes that actually go down in a year are very low? <laughs> I was like, yeah, not many. <laughs> but I, I'm not 1% that's going to be on a oh plane my <laughs> that tumbles to its death. So we choose, we choose the car rides. And then I'm over here, you know, putting us in even more danger with, with, with truck stops and stupid, stupid scenarios. But it is what it is. How did we get here? I don't know. <laughs>
continue. <laughs> okay. So creeping behind curtains, watching women undress. <laughs> yeah. How did we get there? I don't know. Um, <laughs> because again, my weird scenarios. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> so I just, he would fantasize about having sex with these women that he was watching undress until one day his fantasy erupted into a full-on assault. So he had broken into a room to watch a woman undress and ended up assaulting her and attempting to rape her. Luckily, her husband returned and like kicked his ass, like beat the shit out of him. Then the husband turned him into the police. His parents were notified because remember, he's still like a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. And they were like, no, there's no way that baby Richie could have done such a thing. Like he didn't do oh, this. Baby Richie. Right. Baby Richie. <laughs> baby Richie. Good old baby Richie. So Could he never... told his parents that the woman had seduced him into having sex with her. And then her husband showed up and beat him up. Like he had no idea she was married. He was completely innocent. He did nothing wrong here. Oh, okay. They believed she him. Seduced me. I'm 15 years old. I'm an adolescent, but she's right. Seduced. Also, have you seen him? Ain't yes. no grown ass woman seducing that um, little <laughs> little Richie, was it? <laughs> little Richie, little baby, Richie. Ba- baby Richie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Baby Richie and uh, big, big Richie were not very pleasing to the eye. They were not aesthetically pleasing. He looked dirty. <laughs> he looked like he smelled bad. Um, <laughs> baby they, Richie needs a shower. <laughs> <laughs> they believed him. And he ended up getting no charges pressed against him because the couple was basically just like, like, fuck this. We don't even live here. We were just passing through the area. But still, how could, I'm sorry, but as the female in that situation, for them to use my name, which you know is going to be in a newspaper somewhere, regardless, for my name to be in a newspaper to say that I seduced a 15-year-old, I would flip the shit out. Like, absolutely not. I right. don't care whether I live there or not. No. They were just trying to get as far away from there as possible. I know, I know, but they still. just wanted to put the worst trip ever behind them. Worst like, trip? I would never go on trips again. <laughs> this is why I don't go on trips. <laughs> <laughs> so during the next period in his life, he began taking LSD and other hallucinogens because probably because of his gateway glue sniffing fiasco. Damn baby Richie. He began to attend Jehovah's Witness meetings, which is super mm-hmm. random. Okay. <laughs> But he did this because he wanted to, he'd like become increasingly interested in Satan and he wanted to learn more about Satan. But so... Jehovah doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you're in the wrong place. You said it, Jehovah doesn't do that. <laughs> they don't. He started imagining himself becoming one with Satan and eventually came to see himself as a disciple of Satan. It's like, calm down, baby Richie, like calm down. <laughs> calm down. Cousin Mike got out of the mental hospital and the two oh. began hanging out again. So that's cool. That's nice. <laughs> we that's both nice. Says that, said it almost the same time. That's nice. <laughs> By this time, he was full on angsty teen, like really into heavy metal and super heavy into drugs. He had also become a pretty skilled thief, which is not great. When he turned 18, he decided he was going to move out to LA and stay with his brother Ruben for a bit. So this lasted until Richard and Reuben one day got into an argument over Reuben's wife. He learned um, about the Church of Satan in L.A. He goes, he's excited to like join in on the rituals. But eventually he decided that this wasn't for him because it was like too culty for his taste. I was going to say Church of Satan. It is a cult, not right. a church. <laughs> it, was a tad, it was a tad culty for his taste. And he preferred to be what he called a lone practitioner. 
Oh, okay. Because, you know, he was like a disciple of Satan also. Yeah, gotcha. At this point, he was a full-on cocaine addict and was supporting his habit by burglaring. Burglary? Burglarizing? Burglaring? Whatever. <laughs> he would steal people's shit to support his drug habit. <laughs> he had never had any healthy relationships with women. Well, nah, duh, little baby Richie. <laughs> Keep it in your pants and stop peeping on women and maybe you'd have one. <laughs> he either spent his time fantasizing about sexually assaulting women or spend his time with sex workers so that was like all the relationships he'd ever had his sister ruth came to visit and she tried to convince him to come home to el paso but ramirez turned her down eventually he began substituting angel dust aka pcp for cocaine yeah and this only deepened his aggression mm-hmm. one day he took his aggression out on another addict like they had been doing pcp together and he just lost it and tied her up and raped her repeatedly Ew. Yeah. He became obsessed with the pe- the feeling of power that he had over this poor woman when he'd attacked her. And so he found himself like hungering for more power like this, which eventually led to the brutal murders that he committed that right. I'm going to get into now. So I'm not going to, I'm going to go over like a few different murders and attacks and stuff like that. I'm not going to go over all of them. Well, there's, there's a lot there's no time <laughs> there's no time but i mean there I, is if, if you want a three-hour podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go over a good bit though so yeah on the night of june 28th 1984 70 oh also trigger warnings for stuff because <laughs> this dude's fucked up like, y'all i love how you were about to get into it and you're like oh wait <laughs> trigger warnings <laughs> first of all can we just not even say trigger warnings for this I know. podcast anymore. Blanket like trigger warning for the entire if podcast. You liter- if you literally come to listen to us, you should know that uh, it's gonna be gruesome almost <laughs> always. So there, there's terrible shit that happens that can be triggering for some. It is. There you go. Is. Now you know. Okay. Trigger forever. <laughs> trigger forever for everything terrible. Seventy-nine-year-old Jenny Wilkow opened a window in her apartment to let the breeze in. So it was a hot summer night in LA. Poor and her, lady. I know. Her apartment was super muggy and humid, so she just wanted to let the breeze in. Ramirez had been snorting cocaine, and he realized he needed to make some more money to get some more drugs. He was running low. So he came across the apartment complex that she lived in and noticed the open window. He was like, this will do. And he walks over and he removes the screen on the window. And he actually left four reasonably good fingerprints on that screen. <laughs> but it wasn't linked to him until like years later. At this time, they were having to do manual fingerprint comparisons with all of the millions of fingerprints they already had on file. And that was very time consuming. And it usually ended up getting put on the back burner because like it was LA, there was tons of crime everywhere. So he planned on burglarizing the home and he became frustrated when he couldn't find anything that he considered worth anything. It was at this point that he decided he was not going to leave the apartment without getting something from this break-in. Yeah. So he snuck into Jenny's bedroom where she lay sleeping in her bed and plunged a knife into her chest. Jenny screamed and tried to fight him off. Unlock new fear. Right. <laughs> okay. Unlock new fear. Can't sleep without thinking I'm going to get murdered in my sleep. Okay. <laughs> so he's he never sleeping again. <laughs> right. Now I have to stay awake forever. <laughs> Ramirez easily overpowered her and continued to stab her, eventually holding his hand over her mouth while slitting her throat so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. The next day, Jenny's son went over to his mom's house for a visit and discovered her brutally murdered body. I can't even begin to imagine how awful that was. For a long time, it was believed that Jenny was Ramirez's first victim. But years later, in 2009, 
his DNA would actually be linked to the rape and murder of nine-year-old May Lung on April 10th, 1982. So like two years before that in San Francisco. May was a Chinese American girl who was staying at the same hotel that Ramirez happened to be at at the time. He somehow got May down into the basement of the hotel where he raped her, stabbed her to death, and then hung her body from a pipe. Now, Richard laid low for almost a year after Jenny's murder. Then on March 17, 1985, he struck again. 22-year-old Maria Hernandez drove her car into the garage at the condo she shared with roommate 35-year-old Dale Okazaki. Once in the garage, Maria pushed the button to close the garage door, and she started looking for her key to unlock the door to get in. Right. And when the garage door shut, she found herself face-to-face with the 22 caliber revolver. Revolver. Um. <laughs> That's how it sounded in my head when I said it. (laughs) (laughs) With a 22 caliber revolver. Ramirez had happened to be in the area and snuck into the garage as she like drove her car in. Like he saw the garage door open, she was driving her in and he like snuck in while she's driving in and waited to attack her, which unlock new fear. Now I can't pull into my garage. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. All of this stuff. (laughs) Everything is dangerous. You're welcome. She screamed and begged for Ramirez not to shoot her. And then the lights to the garage went out because that's what they're programmed to do. You know, you open the garage, the lights automatically come on. And then after a few minutes, like the sensor goes off. Right. So that sensor turns off and she's just standing there in the dark with this guy pointing a gun at her. Instinctively, when the lights go out, Maria holds her hands up to shield her face. And at that same time, Ramirez fires the gun at her. And miraculously, the keys that she was holding her hand like when she was shielding her face, like the bullet hit the keys and deflected. She's like, this is my lucky day. Okay. Well, it was for 2.5 seconds. Right. So she falls down when he shoots the gun, obviously. He's like, okay, cool. She's like playing dead. He takes her keys, goes into the condo, probably like looking for something to steal. Unfortunately, what he found was Maria's roommate, Dale. She had heard the shot from the garage and like she was in the kitchen. She ducked down behind the counter when she heard the shot. When Ramirez unlocked the door and walked in, she like peeked her head up to see who was coming. And immediately he shot her in the forehead when she peeked up. Maria hears the shot and she rushes in the condo just in time to see Ramirez just walking through the front door. So he just shot Dale and then just went out the front door. (laughs) Like, what was the purpose in that? You didn't even look for anything to steal. Like you're just being a psychopath. He was just a psychopath. She called 911 and tried to revive Dale, but unfortunately she had already died. Right. So the very same night, just an hour later, he struck again. He drove to Monterey Park where he noticed Say Lung Yu, I think I said that right, um, who went by Veronica, which I know I can say right, so I'm going to call her Veronica. <laughs> Veronica actually noticed Ramirez following her. Like she's driving and she notices this guy following her. So she pulls her car over so she could like, get a better look at him and he passed her. So then she started following him to get a license plate number, just in case. I would just like let him pass, but okay. Uh, yeah, bro. <laughs> Here, let me just flip a Yui. <laughs> right. No, but she was like, I ain't fucking with this dude. Like, I'm not playing. Come at me, bro. So uh, no, I would not be that brave. <laughs> no, she was like, let me get his license plate number just in case. Cause he was following me for a while. So then he notices that she's following him now and he pulls over. And she's like, all right, I'm done with this shit. And she pulls over too. 
no no veronica don't do it you don't pull over bitch you pass him <laughs> just keep going just keep going he got out of his car walked over to hers and she demanded to know what his problem was she's like what's your deal why are you following me i got your tag number i'm gonna call the cops like leave me alone so this pisses him off because he's like shit she's got my tag number so he right. grabs her by the shoulders and tries to pull her through the window of her car like tries to pull mm -hmm. her out and she's like no hell no she starts fighting him off when that doesn't work he like let's let's go over and then he goes and gets into her car with her uh-uh you should have <laughs> drove off when he was Girl, okay lock your doors lock your motherfucking doors drive off don't pull first over off, i'm gonna tell you right now that my first protocol would have been if if this guy pulled over and i had the balls to pull over right next to him i'm gonna push that little lock button regardless <laughs> push that and i sure button. as hell am not rolling down my window okay no like you are not the Hulk. She <laughs> <laughs> was not scared. She's like, I got this. He gets in, he gets in the car with her and immediately shoots her in the side twice. So she like opens her car door, crawls out, falls onto the street, is like screaming for help, trying to crawl away in the middle of nowhere. In the middle, well, in a road in L.A. Whatever. Ramirez then yelled out, "Bitch!" before speeding away, leaving her leaving her for dead because because he's cool you know oh yeah show her bitch batch um, <laughs> batch <laughs> he had no I imagine that. right he had no idea that this entire time jorge galagos and his girlfriend edith alcaz were also parked in their car nearby and they had witnessed the entire thing <laughs> so they rushed over to ronica's side and they called the police but by the time paramedics got to the scene she was already dead now, initially, police didn't think the murders of Jenny, Dale, and Veronica were, like, linked at all, because why would they? Like, right. they were all in three different jurisdictions, and they were all completely different types of attacks. After this, Ramirez waited eight days before he would strike again. Eight whole days. At around 2 a.m. on March 26, he pulled up to the home of Vincent and Maxine Zazara. They lived in a well-to-do, quiet neighborhood, and from outside, Ramirez could see Vincent, like, asleep on the couch in the living room. Like he'd been watching TV and fell asleep on the couch. Right. So he snuck around the house and peeked through more windows and he saw Maxine asleep in the bedroom. He walks around. He's like trying to get into the windows. Everything seems locked up. Then he noticed the laundry room window was unlocked. And so he used like a garbage can to climb up and like hoisted himself up through the window and let himself in. So he immediately went to the living room where Vincent was sleeping and shot him in the head with the revolver. Like just walks in and shoots him in the head. Vincent actually stood up after this, but the damage had been done. So after stumbling around for a second, he fell to the ground. Ramirez then headed straight for the bedroom where he had seen Maxine sleeping. So the gunshot had woken her up, but she had no idea what was going on. She'd just been like asleep and this loud ass bang woke her up. By the time she could collect her thoughts, Ramirez had already made his way to her and was like tying her up with like a he had found like a necktie laying on the ground or something and so he started tying her up he then began to ransack the whole room like pulling out drawers going through everything looking for anything of value this is when maxine did something very bold so she knew that vincent kept a shotgun under the bed mm. so she quickly rolled off the bed and grabbed the gun and by the time ramirez realized what had happened he was like staring down the barrel of a shotgun like she already had it pointed at him i know i'm like get it girl <laughs> except you didn't we all know you didn't well she okay. but she did it's so frustrating so he went to reach for his revolver and when he did maxine immediately pulled the trigger like she was on it but instead of a big boom of a shotgun there was a small click because she had forgotten 
the safety. No, Vincent, their grandkids had visited that weekend. So he had unloaded the gun for that visit and then he hadn't reloaded it yet. I know it's so frustrating. Like she had him. Ramirez then shot Maxine three times, but that wasn't enough. He was pissed that she'd come so close to like shooting him. So he's like, oh, she's got to pay. So he went to the kitchen and got a carving knife that he then used to try to cut out her heart. Um, After realizing the blade couldn't cut through her rib cage, then cut out both of her eyes and placed them in a jewelry box on the dresser. He continued to mutilate her body, stabbing her in the stomach, throat, and pubic region. He then grabbed whatever he could carry and just walked right out the front door. Like not a care in the world, just right out the front door. Bloody and all. (laughs) Bloody and everything. Vincent and Maxine's son, Peter, ended up finding their bodies the next day when he dropped by. So investigators found full-ass shoe prints that Ramirez had left everywhere. Like they were in the flower bed, on the patio, on the garbage can that he had used to step up on. These exact same shoe prints happened to match some shoe prints that were discovered in the attempted abduction of an L.A. woman that police were investigating. Now, these were very distinct shoe prints. Okay. Very distinct. During the 80s, Avia athletic shoes had started to become popular. Mm -hmm. And they had like a very distinct, almost like a waffle type print on the bottom of them. So they were pretty easy to identify. Okay. But at this time, they still weren't really linking any of the murders, these murders to each other. Because again, they were all so different. different. Yes. So it never dawned on them to connect them. I was going to say, yeah, you have different, like you have different MOs. You got the one seventy something year old lady that got stabbed out of nowhere. The little nine-year-old that got, you know, it's just completely sloppy and all over the place. It is. 18 days after Benson and Maxine's murders, Ramirez would strike again. Mm-hmm. He was actually in the same area around Monterey Park where he had murdered Veronica Yu. And he just randomly chose the home of retired Japanese couple, William and Lillian Doy. William went by Bill. So I'm gonna call him that from now on. And Lillian was actually wheelchair bound because of a stroke she had suffered a few years back. So this motherfucker goes around to the back of the house. He sees like this little window that happens to be unlocked. So he cuts the screen to the window and opens it just wide enough to fit his disgusting drugged out little body through. And he heads on in because he's like gross. He's just, we've, we've talked about it. He's gross. He heads straight for the bedroom. Bill hears him and goes for his gun for protection. Unfortunately, Ramirez was too fast for Bill because he immediately shot him right above the lip as soon as he saw him, just like shot him in the face. Bill was still alive. So Ramirez then proceeded to beat Bill until he was unconscious. Now, by this time, Lillian is awake and she's terrified. Like she's wheelchair bound. She can't. Right. She can't move. Right. So Ramirez walks straight over to her and slaps her in the face and says, shut up, bitch, or I'll kill you. He then starts ransacking the home, searching for anything that he considered to be worth any value. Now, while he's doing this, Bill regains consciousness. Now, Ramirez notices this and beats him back into a state of unconsciousness. So this poor man was shot in the face and he keeps just getting knocked unconscious. Now, this part's awful, but at this point, Ramirez is so excited by all the violence that he's been bestowing on Bill. So he's so excited by this that he decides that he's going to go back to the bedroom where Lillian is and he rapes 56-year-old wheelchair-bound Lillian. When he's finished with that, he leaves 
and Bill, being the badass that he is, again regains consciousness and crawls into the bedroom with Lillian to check on her. And he like musters up the strength, calls 911. The fire department comes and the police come. And Lillian ended up surviving the attack, but unfortunately, Bill later died from his injuries. So police found more of his shoe prints by the back window that he had like entered the home in, and they made castings of them. Which they should have done castings for the others, but clearly they, well, maybe they did. Maybe they did, but also they weren't doing great detective (laughs) work. So maybe not, but I don't know. They could have. So now we're at May 29th. Ramirez headed northeast of LA in a stolen car and randomly selected the house of 81-year-old Mabel Bell and her sister Nettie Lang. This neighborhood was known to have little or no crime, and because of this, Mabel often just left her front door unlocked. It's like, no, girl. You just never do that. <laughs> just never do that. So Ramirez just walks right in the front door. He just walks up to the house, tries the door. He's like, oh, okay. It's open. <laughs> just walks in. He finds a hammer in the kitchen and then proceeds to bludgeon Nettie in the head repeatedly with the hammer. This is one of those instances, like, when you're like, what the actual hell? There was no rhyme or reason for this crime. He was literally just winging it. Like, he didn't go in with a weapon. He's just like, oh, here's a hammer. Let me just use this. That's, like, terrifying. Like, what is mm-hmm. that? Why? What is the purpose? What is What is your purpose, sir? And why is all of his random houses, like, little old ladies? I know, right? Why couldn't he just, like, walk into some dude that's, like... Like just a heavy lifter. Okay. Like just walk into a freaking UFC fighter's house or something. Like mm-hmm. those those exist, right? Where are those houses at? <laughs> Where are they at? <laughs> so he then does the same to Mabel, just beats her in the head with the hammer to the point that her brain matter was actually like literally spread all over the room. But she was still alive. So he took it a step further. He took a cord from a clock that she had on her nightstand and exposed the wire on the cord and then used the exposed wire to shock Mabel repeatedly. Who does that? Why? Why? When he's done with this, he took some red lipstick that he found and he drew two pentagrams because Satan, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. He drew one on her thigh and one on the ceiling above where she was laying. He then went back to Nettie's room all fired up and excited by the terrible things that he had just done, ripped off her nightgown and sexually assaulted her. He then drew another pentagram in Nettie's room and then just went into the kitchen and had some Coke and bananas. Cause why not, you know? And then he left. So Mabel and Nettie were found two days later and they were both still alive, but they were comatose from all their horrific injuries. Like they were alive, but like not okay. Nettie ended up surviving, but Mabel eventually died in the hospital from her injuries. Now, police had a ton of evidence to collect here. He was super messy. He left a a, ton of evidence on all the other ones. I know. Let's be honest. Let's be real here. He left a full ass bloody footprint, like full, a toilet full of urine, vomitous, empty Coke cans, and a couple half eaten bananas just laying around. Like his DNA is everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. He's spreading it like confetti. (laughs) Okay. He's like, let me sprinkle a little DNA over here. So the very next day, Ramirez drove the same stolen car to Burbank and picked another house at random. This house belonged to 42-year-old Carol Kyle and her 11-year-old son. Now, this house was actually locked up pretty tight, but Ramirez was able to reach through. They had a dog door on the back door. And so he reached up through the dog door and like was able to unlock the door that way. With his creepy little long skinny arms. 
So he walked in to find Carol sleeping and he takes a play right out of the original Night Stalker's handbook and shines a flashlight in her face. Mm. He, so he like shines the flashlight in his face and he like yells at her. He's like, wake up, bitch. Don't scream or I'll kill you. Which like, I don't know, but I feel like if I woke up to a flashlight and somebody screaming and call me a bitch, like I'm going to be screaming. I'm not going to wake up gently. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But if I woke up like that, I'd probably be swinging back. Okay. Like, like, <laughs> don't like, wake me up like that. Throwing <laughs> hands. Like, first of all, who you called a bitch? Like what? <laughs> like I wake up with my kids come over and stare at me for five seconds. Right. Like I'll fucking knock your little bitch ass out. <laughs> I am not going to quietly and gently wake up to that that's not possible <laughs> like come at me bro come at me. <laughs> so he asked carol who else was in the house she told him her 11 year old son was sleeping in the room right next to her he made her lead him to the son's room and then he made her lie on the ground like outside the room when she lay down he busted into her son's room and ran straight straight to his bed and like held the gun to his face to this 11 year old boy's face so she like pops into mama bear mode runs into the room throws herself between Ramirez and her son and she's like pleading with him she's like please just take whatever you want just don't hurt him like leave my son alone please so he ties them together and he puts them in a hall closet and shuts the door almost as soon as he shuts the door he like reopens it and it's like hey you got any guns in here like what the fuck go away we don't want you here no (laughs) (laughs) right so Carol was like no (laughs) she said no we don't but you can have whatever like take whatever you want but I don't have any guns So he starts frantically going through the house. He comes back and he's like, show me where all your jewelry is. Like, where's your jewelry? So she's like, yeah, okay, take my jewelry. And he unties her and leaves the son in the closet. Once they get to the bedroom where the jewelry is, he told her if she did exactly what he said, that they would both live. He then ripped her nightgown off and very, very aggressively assaulted, raped, and sodomized her. The entire time, he kept telling her not to look at him. He's like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Which like, I already saw you. Right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So when he finished assaulting her, he told her, you know, you're lucky I'm letting you both live. I've killed a lot of people. Vomitus. Um, Thank you. Right. (laughs) Then, Then he gave her a nightgown and led her back to her son and handcuffed them together to a bed. He left the keys on the mantle and told them that if they said anything about who he was, his friends would come back and kill them because he knew where they lived. Right? Okay. (laughs) What friends? (laughs) You you have no friends. (laughs) They were eventually found and rescued. And again, at the time, nobody linked this attack to any of the other ones because completely different. July 2nd, Ramirez randomly chose the house of 75-year-old Mary Louise Cannon a widowed grandmother who lived alone. She was asleep when he entered the room. He grabbed a lamp from her nightstand. And can we just, just talk about how everybody's sleepy? <laughs> well, because he's breaking in at like three in the morning. <laughs> I know, but I'm just like, God dang. <laughs> Everybody's so tired. No, Why he's breaking in at like sleeping? three in the morning. My motherfucking ass would not be sleeping with all these murders going on. <laughs> like I can never sleep again, so... <laughs> So she's sleeping. He grabs a lamp from the nightstand and began to bludgeon her until she was unconscious. He then went to the kitchen and got a butcher's knife and stabbed her to death. When police arrived, they found another full ass bloody shoe print on a rug because he apparently just could not stop stepping all over everything. 
So this is when they started thinking, hey, we have all these shoe prints that match all that match each other at all of these different crime scenes. Maybe, just maybe they're all connected, you know? So once they finally start putting it all together that this is most likely the same guy and word gets out that there's this crazy serial killer on the loose, everyone's on edge. Nobody feels safe because like he killed everyone. Didn't matter your age, race, gender, none of that mattered. Like with most serial killers, you can follow some kind of pattern and know that they're going to target like a specific type of person or whatever. But with this guy, they're like, nobody's safe. Word spreads. The media named him the Night Stalker, which I wish they wouldn't have done because pretty sure that just gave him a big head, but whatever. Right. Three days after killing Mary Louise Cannon, Ramirez is at it again. He broke into the Bennett home where he found 16-year-old Whitney Bennett asleep in her bed. He began beating her with a fucking tire iron, which I now think is the worst way to wake up ever. Um, yeah, that's worse than a flashlight. <laughs> like, for sure. <laughs> or my kids staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> or my kids staring at me, right? So Whitney's sleeping. He starts beating her with his tire iron. Then he decides that he's going to strangle this girl to death because he hadn't done that one yet, I guess. I don't know. So he grabs a telephone cord and wraps it around her neck and is like tightening it. And while he's tightening it and choking her, he sees sparks come from the cord. So sparks fly. He loosens his grip on the cord. And Whitney starts like breathing again because he's not cutting off her air supply anymore. Mm -hmm. So he sees sparks fly. He sees her start breathing. He freaks out and bolts because he thinks obviously Jesus had intervened and saved this young girl. And he's like, (laughs) right. And, you know, he's a disciple of Satan. So he don't fuck with Jesus. Okay. So luckily he left before hurting anyone else in the house because her parents and her brother were there too. And Whitney did survive her attack, but he beat her so severely with that tire iron that she had to get 478 stitches. Jesus Christ. 478, right? How did she like go and get her parents? So she actually was like knocked unconscious and they found her the next morning. Oh my God. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he also left his same shoe print on her comforter because that's what he does. Like, I don't even know how it's possible to leave so many shoe prints. Everywhere. Like he was actively trying to leave shoe prints. Everywhere. <laughs> he, he, he like took his shoe off and literally put it there. Right. <laughs> Where do I want to put it? Right here. Right. Two days later, he hit two homes. <clears throat> so first he breaks into the home of 60 year old Joyce Lucille Nelson, found Joyce sleeping on the couch points his gun at her head, wakes her up. She's terrified, obviously. He grabbed her by the hair and drug her through the house. She tries fighting him off, which pissed him off. <laughs> Joke's on you, it's a wig. No, <laughs> oh my <laughs> that would have been convenient. That would have been convenient. Wear wigs, got right? it. <laughs> From now on, don't sleep, wear wigs. She tries to fight him off. That just pissed him off. And so he ended up beating her to death. Once she was dead, he robbed her and then left. Now, when her body was found, he left his fucking shoe print on her face. <laughs> on her face. When he leaves Joyce's house, he drives around for a little while until he decides to break into the home of 63-year-old Sophie Dickman. Now, he busts up into the house acting like a literal crazed person. Like, he just busts it all, screaming, cussing, starts hitting Sophie. Sophie is a psychiatric nurse, so she knows not to provoke this guy she's just like okay i'm just gonna cooperate she like takes him to her jewelry she does everything he says at one point 
he tried to rape her, but he couldn't get it up. So he gave up on that. Once he had taken all of her jewelry, this is when the douche canoe did that really, really dumb thing that everybody hears about that he must have thought made him sound so cool and badass. Oh, yes. But it made him look like the biggest fucking tool ever. Yes. He made her swear on Satan that there wasn't any more jewelry that she was hiding. Because he's a fucking moron. A fucking tool. He's like, this is so badass. Like, no, bitch. Swear on Satan. Okay. <laughs> like, I swear on Satan? Okay. Like, what? So now police are like, okay, we have all of these AVS shoe prints at all of these different crime scenes. Like, they're everywhere. It's all over LA. Just the same shoe prints. So maybe we should do something with that. So they were able to match the shoe prints at all of the crime scenes with a very specific type of avia shoe. Now, based on all the descriptions that they had of Ramirez at this point, because he'd killed a lot of people, but he'd also left a lot of people alive. So they're all like giving all these descriptions of him. So they have all of these witnesses describing the same guy. And based on all these descriptions, Ramirez was always wearing dark clothing. Given this fact, they thought it was safe to assume that his shoes would also be a dark color. Right. So after doing some digging, they found out that there were only six pairs of that specific type of shoe in that color matching that size that had been distributed in the U.S. Five of them had gone to Arizona. The sixth pair was sold in L.A., where all these crimes were happening. So when you hear all that, you're like, okay, they've got him. There's no way they can't track him down. Like there was only one pair of shoes. Nope couldn't that was as far as the tracking of the shoes went they couldn't track it any further <laughs> of course <laughs> eventually they really fucked up with the shoes and the mayor of san francisco because like eventually he like leaves la a little bit and goes into san francisco right the mayor of san francisco held a press conference about the night soccer during which she gave away a ton of vital information that shouldn't have been released including the info on the shoes i remember that though so he knew they were trying to trace his shoes and just like got rid of them right why, why? That's why it's so important to not do press conferences on any details. I don't give away vital details that could lead to catching the dude. Unless you've got a sketch, like a sketch of him. Which they do get. Yes, I know. But like that just drives me nuts. Oh, we've got him based on these shoes. Well, motherfucker, you just, <laughs> that is an inanimate, <laughs> inanimate, inanimate. <laughs> Take that off. <laughs> Uh, that is an object that's an object <laughs> that can just be tossed it can like, be tossed or burned or whatever right so like, oh shit he got my shoes <laughs> let me take these off <laughs> like what was this were they, were they like in the press conference all right everybody look for these shoes look at everybody's feet <laughs> no i'm sure she was like oh we we know what kind, like we have his shoe print we know what and he's like oh shit I keep, I, keep, I keep stomping all over everything. I better change my shoes. Like <laughs> On July 20th, Ramirez bought a machete because he hadn't used that before and drives another stolen car around until he gets to the home of Layla and Maxon nading, I think. He snuck into their bedroom and brought the machete down on Maxon's neck. Like just like all of these terrible ways to wake up. Once he realized the machete wasn't sharp enough to fully decapitate the man, he got mad and he shot both of them and killed them. He then used the machete to stab and hack at their bodies. Then he drove the stolen car over to Sun Valley and broke into the home of the Covenant family. I'm pretty sure I'm going to, I'm not pronouncing their name right. I'm sorry, but I, 
He shot and killed Chainerong, the father, and then he tied up his eight-year-old son and beat and raped his wife. Then he robbed them, made her swear on Satan that there was nothing else valuable and left. Now, at this point, he's all over the place. You know, like I'd said, originally he was only in the LA area. Then he goes to San Francisco, starts terrorizing them too over there. He continued to travel around robbing, raping, killing people all throughout the month of August. Sometimes he killed everyone. Sometimes he left his victims alive. There was no rhyme or reason for anything he did. At this point, they have so many witness descriptions of him that they know exactly what it looks like. (laughs) Literally. Like Like, if you see the composite sketch of him. Right. It looks, it's like literally him. (laughs) It, it It is a sketch of him. It is dead on. So I want to take a second now and talk about this man's teeth. <laughs> Everyone knows. Vampire teeth. Richard Ramirez had notoriously disgusting chompers, like foul as fuck, nasty ass teeth. Several witnesses and victims that survived his attacks all described his teeth as being absolutely disgusting, rotten teeth. This was true because it was caused by a combination of his terrible eating habits, because his diet consisted of mainly just candy, like just candy. That's yeah. it. So his terrible eating habits and all of the drugs that he'd been doing since he was like 11 or 12. So his teeth were foul and he knew it. Like he could see it. He could look in a mirror. He's like, my teeth are bad. So what do you do if you have nasty ass teeth? You take those nasty ass teeth to the dentist. And that's what he did. So he goes to the dentist in the middle of the summer, like during his crazy ass crime spree that he's going through. At some point after going to the dentist, Ramirez was actually pulled over by police while driving a stolen car, like in the middle of all of these crimes. Should have been caught again, should have been caught, but wasn't. So he's pulled over. They go to run the tags and the registration and he like just takes off. He bolts, nopes the fuck out of there. Leaving behind the stolen vehicle covered in his fingerprints. But his fingerprints aren't the only thing he left in the car. He also left the business card for a dental office in Chinatown. Right. Police are like, okay, this guy seems sketch. And also he looked a lot like the sketch of the Night Stalker. <laughs> so maybe we should We got him, him, but we didn't get them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they go to this dentist and they're like, hey, do you know this guy? Like Richard Ramirez, do you know him? Because they like have his fingerprints at this point. They know who he is. The dentist was like, oh yeah, that guy has terrible teeth. <laughs> he probably didn't actually <laughs> he probably didn't actually say that but like whatever so they're like he's a suspect in these crimes and the dentist is like yeah like he was actually in here not long ago for an appointment i did some x-rays the x-ray showed that he has an impacted tooth so it's very likely that he's going to come back to the office soon because that shit's going to hurt and he's going to want to get that taken care of so they're like okay we, we're going to be detectives we've got this we are going to (laughs) they're like we've got this let's do some detective work so they decided that that they were going to put two of their guys in the office like in the waiting room just have them hang out in the waiting room all incognito or whatever disguised they're just two dental patients waiting for their turn (laughs) waiting for Ramirez every day until he comes back well only for two days because after two days of doing that (laughs) I just made it sound like it was gonna be forever (laughs) after two days of doing that they're like we can't just have two of our guys sit in this office all day (laughs) damn that detective work (laughs) so instead of doing that we're gonna install this fancy ass alarm in here okay like the kind that they have at banks where all you gotta do is push the little like silent alarm button and then the cops Mm -hmm. are alerted and they come so if Ramirez showed up the dentist was supposed to push the silent alarm and then police would come and they take him in. 
Except if you, if you're losing people left and right, you think more than two days would be sufficient for you to wait in the waiting room. You would think. Just, you just saying. I'm just saying. They were they got antsy. Okay. So the day detectives left their post in the waiting room, Ramirez showed up. Like right after they, they left, he comes. Just like that. So now he shows up. The dentist sees him. They've already installed the Sansias alarm. So he pushes the silent alarm button and he waits. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> so as jokes on you, it's not really hooked up. <laughs> well, the fancy ass alarm malfunctioned, so they never got the alert that he was there. So he's waiting for police to come. He's like having to play it cool with this potential serial killer in his office, like working on his tooth. And then Ramirez just leaves what he's done, just strolls right on out on his and merry then way. He's call- then he's calling the police and he's like, where the fuck were you? <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> I can't imagine. Can you imagine what? like how he was feeling when he's like working on dude's nasty ass teeth like can you imagine being the officer that was in charge that decided to say <laughs> hey we can't have these guys stay here any longer more than two days and the very next day they come he's in like that is my bad y'all how was I to know <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine that I bet his ass got in trouble okay <laughs> so he's sitting there and he's thinking any minute they're gonna bust the door and they never do so just like with the shoes, another major thing that should have got him caught mm-hmm. and potentially saved a lot of people's lives after but he killed Moni Blasher. Listen, people, <laughs> I'm not one that likes to talk shit on cops. <laughs> I mean, we all know this. I am personally trying to go into that field of work, but come on. Come on. Yeah, they didn't do their best work with no, this case. They didn't. Also, I mean, could they not have like, I know, I know dentists typically don't have like tracking devices on hand, but like, what if they could put, he, he's working on his mouth. Just like put a tracking device in there. That's cute. <laughs> it's the eighties. <laughs> they can't even get fingerprints on file. I know. <laughs> they got something they can stick in a tooth. <laughs> Incognito. Incognito. What's that? What's that blinking? <laughs> what's that blinking, what's that blinking on my tooth? blinking. <laughs> okay now we're gonna get to the best part of this it's my favorite part Ramirez's capture (laughs) (laughs) this is my favorite criminal capture story of all time so as we know Ramirez is fucking sloppy yes time and time again he left evidence everywhere he went and somehow miraculously didn't get caught Police have so much evidence that they know exactly who he is at this point. They have his description, his fingerprints. They know the night stalker is Richard Ramirez. Like they know it's him. They're like, we know your name. (laughs) They literally have a press release and they're like, we're going to get you. We know who you are. (laughs) Richard Ramirez. (laughs) Soon there's going to be nowhere for you to hide. Like that's what they said. So they released his full name and a mugshot of him from a couple of years back when he got arrested for like burglary or something like that. Right. The day after this press conference, Ramirez takes a bus to Tucson, Arizona to visit his brother, not because of the press conference, because he had no idea that happened. Like, he doesn't know that they know who he is. They don't know we know they know we know. I was about to say that. I was literally about to say that. That's why I started, like, laughing. I was like, he doesn't know that we know that they know. know." So he's just like, do-do-do, going on a trip. Like, (laughs) he doesn't know what's going on. Goes to Arizona. The next day, he travels back to California, completely blissfully unaware that his face is everywhere. He steps off a Greyhound and goes into a small liquor store. 
because he needs to get him some liquor. So he's standing in line waiting to purchase his liquor. And he notices a lot of people are like looking at him <laughs> and pointing at him and whispering. <laughs> hey, that's him. <laughs> so he starts also, like, it. also, can I just talk about how the public always does things like this? Like, <laughs> come on. If you see them, call police. Don't sit back and point and stare and make it obvious so that they can run. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. It's okay. So he starts getting uncomfortable. He's like looking oh, around. You're and he's uncomfortable? like, yeah, because everybody's pointing and whispering at him. <laughs> so he's like uncomfortable. He's like looking around. Then he notices a newspaper on the rack beside him. Usually he doesn't care about the newspaper. This one caught his eye because. I had a picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally a giant picture of him on the front page. He's he like, picks oh, it, shit. <laughs> he picks it up and realizes what he's looking at. Panics, throws the paper down and like runs out of the store. <laughs> Meanwhile, all of these bystanders have recognized him and they're like yelling out, like, stop the killer. That's the killer. Stop him. He starts weaving through this neighborhood, panicking, like he's serpentining. He's zigzagging. Every time he passes someone, they recognize him. Like, it's like, there's a neon sign above his head. It's like, I'm the night stalker. Like everyone <laughs> knows who he is. <laughs> hey, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so as he's running and people are seeing him, some people are calling police. Some people are like chasing after him. They're like all fucking banding together. They're like, we're tired of this guy. He's been terrorizing us. We've been in fear for so long. We fucking got this. Let's, let's end it. So he's zigzagging everywhere. Police are dispatched and headed towards him because they've gotten so many calls on sightings of him that they're like, this has to be him. Like not if like one person called, maybe we'd be like, hey, but like all the people are calling, like he's right here. At one point he tried stealing a Mustang, but he didn't realize the owner of the car was actually like under the car working at it, like working on the car at the time. Right. So as he tries to get in, dude jumps out from under the car and like grabs him and yeets him out of his car. He's like, no, sir. Ramirez stumbles and like keeps running and tries to carjack a car from a young Hispanic woman that was sitting in her car. Now, this would be his downfall. She screams and her father is not far and he hears her scream and he and four neighbors run over to see what's happening. <laughs> so they see Ramirez trying to steal the car and all hell breaks loose. Like they grab him. They start beating the shit out of him. Like somebody grabs a steel rod. They're like beating him with this rod. By the time the police finally get there, they had him pinned to the curb. He's like beaten bloody, like whimpering and crying like a little bitch ass bitch. <laughs> so <laughs> after all of the leads, police had to catch him and didn't. All it took was a pissed off mob of Mexicans. So it's true. <laughs> it is true. So he continued to be a dumbass tool in court. During his trial, he would draw like a pentagram on his hand and like yell out, hail Satan. Like he was yeah, obnoxious. Yeah, I remember all that too. His trial actually ended up getting delayed at one point because one of the jurors didn't show up and she was found shot and killed in her apartment. That's why she didn't show up. So for a little while, rumors were going around that Ramirez had somehow like had her killed. But that turned out, that was not the case. It turned out her boyfriend had killed her and then he later committed suicide himself oh, God. <laughs> yeah so ramirez was eventually connected he was connected he was eventually convicted so he was convicted on 13 counts of murder five counts of attempted murder 11 sexual assaults and 14 burglaries and he was sentenced to death by the gas chamber 
While in prison, he had a ton of those gross fangirls that became obsessed with murderers, and he ended up marrying one of them while in prison after years of exchanging letters with each other. She was a freelance magazine editor named Doreen Louie, and she was obsessed with him. At one point, she said that if he were actually executed, she would commit suicide because she just loved him that much. Ew. Yes. Like, I don't understand. I just don't understand women that can do that. Or men. It's you not know, just women, but right. or men, just anybody. Come on, guys. You know the awful, terrible, terrible things this man has done. Well, clearly their standards are not very high. <laughs> like, if you're okay with that, you're just as awful as he is. Like, yeah. So they stayed together. They were actually married for years and ended up divorcing actually the year that Ramirez died. So he ended up dying on death row at the age of 53 of complications from B cell lymphoma. Yeah, he didn't even make it to the gas chamber. No. Didn't he die didn't he die in like 2013 or something? Sure. I didn't write down the year. 14. I think it it wasn't too long ago. It wasn't too long ago. He while he was alive, he never expressed any remorse for his crimes. He instead just ate up the fact that he was quote famous, which is vomitous. Yes. After his death sentence was given to him, he said, quote, hey big deal death always came with the territory i'll see you in disneyland like shut the fuck up he's <laughs> in disneyland but he's out a- of all the places you chose disneyland right well place of fun and joy <laughs> <laughs> because he's trying for that fucking shock factor because he's like oh i'm just cool <laughs> i hate that he was allowed to do like interviews oh yeah and be given a bigger head because he was so fucking douchey and such a tool. But, so, but I've, let's be honest, a lot uh-huh. of serial killers that were interviewed were the same way too. It wasn't oh, yeah. just him. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I found this question error from a magazine that he was interviewed in. And it was like making me want to vomit these answers. They were literally just feeding into his ego and like making mm-hmm. him feel famous like a celebrity. Because they were asking him questions like, what's your favorite sport? What's your favorite color? But they, did, but they did the same type of thing, not in that sense, like favorite sport or favorite color, but they did the same type of thing with Ted Bundy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so, they're I mean, going to do it with the big names there. Like they're going to do it with, but it's just, it's just gross to me. It's just gross. I know. Don't entertain him. Like it's gross. And these idiotic answers he said the stupidest things like in the article it said what is your biggest like he said cocaine (laughs) and they're like right he's like stupid they're like what's your favorite food and he was like he said women's feet who it like stop being gross he's a fucking tool oh and he's a 12 year old boy they said what's your favorite vacation spot you can't guess it he said uranus (laughs) <laughs> like shut up <laughs> shut up <laughs> I fucking... feel I feel like that's younger than a 12 year old boy though oh yeah yeah <laughs> like like let's not put all the poor little 12 year old boys <laughs> into that category <laughs> it's he's ridiculous he's a fucking gross nasty ass tool yes and that is the case of Richard Ramirez <laughs> he is he is he's a nasty little fuck Ugh. yeah so yeah there you go. That was a long one. It was a long one. Did you guys settle in? <laughs> are, you, are you still there? <laughs> Hello, Joyce. <laughs> I'm going to go start making snackies because it's already 11. 
It is. It is. And I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> I guess I'm going to start homework. <laughs> oh, have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a couple quizzes that I have to do today too. So mm. any, any astronomy lovers? No, I'm not a big astronomy lover either. <laughs> I don't understand why that's part of my core. I was just going to say, I don't, is. I don't know how that fits, but okay. It is <laughs> just another way to make, you know, $4,000 this semester. <laughs> All Anyways. right. Well, you can follow us. We've been getting lots. I was going to say, you can follow us. Go to our, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I was follow like, where are you going with this? <laughs> SerialHotLikeSisters.com. You can see our Instagram, our Facebook, all that fun stuff. And you can send us suggestions which I was going to say we've been getting lots of suggestions in and they're great and we love it and keep it coming in fact I love getting the suggestions because then we get to call it Uh, (laughs) yeah that part's annoying (laughs) um we got one uh like a week or two ago that I I mean we've gotten more since then but I called one of them while we were both at work we both got we both get the emails you know and I called it before Crystal got a chance to even look at it. And I, mean, I, I was literally working. Happened. <laughs> so literally was I. I know. <laughs> I was actually in a meeting when it happened. Oh my gosh. Stop looking was, at your phone in a meeting. <laughs> no, I was in a meeting. Um, no, my meetings aren't always in person or anything. A lot of them are uh, Teams meetings from our mm. computer. So mm. I'm in a meeting and I'm listening to them talk because it's nothing that actually pertains to my job or whatever so I'm like listening to them and I and I see I get an email and I'm looking at it and I was reading the the scripture that they gave us and everything and and the and then I see who they recommended and I was like oh I know this one <laughs> I know this one and I started panicking <laughs> because <laughs> that's what I do I started panicking and then like immediately I close out of my phone and I'm like <laughs> what do I do with my hands? <laughs> and I, I finally get to Crystal and I text her and I say, call it. <laughs> Cause I was afraid she was going to call it before me. <laughs> I was busy, like giving baby shots or something at that point. I, had, I was not like, even looking at my phone. And literally 10 minutes later, I literally had a 10 minute window, <laughs> but li- <laughs> like, <laughs> like she, she texts back 10 minutes later. She's like, damn it. <laughs> but it's just rude. I'm going to have to like make up a secret email to give to the listeners to send them just directly to me. No. So you- <laughs> Rude. Oh, but yes, anyways. <laughs> Follow us on the stuff. Continue to send us uh, recommendations so that we can continue to act ridiculous towards each other about it. <laughs> Correct. Yes, please. And then rate us too. Like yes. Spotify, you can rate us. Apple, um, I think you can do it on the Google podcasts and stuff too. On the Google podcast. I on don't know. I don't know, but definitely we would love it. If you rate us, unless and, you're going to be mean because I can't handle it. And FYI for all you listeners that, you know, actually actively listen to us. Um, if you guys love audible, we're on audible. <laughs> I was so excited when I saw that we were on audible because I listen to books at work. Like if I, have any time to actually read books it's usually at work and that's how I have to do it because I'm just so busy I haven't been able to actually pick up a physical book and and read it so right. I listen to books and and read them that way and I was scrolling through suggestions and our podcast came up on my suggestions oh, and I was like that's oh, crazy hey, that's me <laughs> <laughs> so just so you know we're like out there on all the major platforms so hooray <laughs> okay well <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs>
on that note, we got some stuff to do. So let's be awkward. Okay, let's be awkward. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>